This episode is brought to you by Pantenius Yacht Insurance. Welcome to Casting Off with Confidence and Good Day on this windy day in New South Wales. I'm Jackie Parry and today I have with me Ivan Signorelli. Now, I want to tell you a bit about Ivan before we delve into a chat. He has a boatload of achievements. I'm just going to summarise them now because we don't have that much time. He's a professional skipper um, and an RYA Ocean Yacht Master instructor. With his professional uh, skipper qualification, he does deliveries. He's done five Sydney to Hobart races where on two occasions he was the skipper and on other occasions he was the navigator. He's a cert for training and assessment um, qualified trainer, of course, with his business, he has to be, but he uses that to deliver a vast range of courses, including the sea survival skills. So he's a Australian safety sailing safety and sea survival instructor. It's a real tongue twister. He's a marine radio operator, trainer and invigilator. He He's worked with Sailing with Disabilities, that fantastic organisation, getting everyone we can out on the water. And he's founded his own training centre, Ocean Boardroom, which is a great name. And it has a great ethos to provide quality and up-to-date training, which is above and beyond just ticking boxes. So Ivan and I, kindred spirits, and now we're working together. I'm absolutely thrilled to be working with you, Ivan, and welcome to the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you for the kind words. Yes. It's good to see you. It's good to catch up. And I have so much I want to ask you, but looking, knowing you a bit better now and looking on the different boats you get on, I have to ask, is there a favourite type of boat you have? Because you are a skipper of many different boats. What boats do you really like? Look, uh, I had, uh, I've had quite a bit of an array of experience of uh, you know skippering or sailing on on, on different boats, and uh, so a mix of either race boats or uh, training boats. And I, I guess what can I say? Every boat has their own benefit, and um, they have their own the, the things that that fit for purpose, and things that you could go well, probably improve on that a little bit. I must say, I'm quite simplistic in, in, in what I, I think the simpler, the better. Um, I've spent quite a bit of time sailing on Beneteau 40.7s, uh, obviously through instructing, uh, because they're great training boats. Mm. And they're great training boats because they're the right, they're good size. So they're quite seaworthy and they're quite comfortable as well. And they perform really well. So they sail really well. Um, and I always thought these, these Beneteau 40.7s or even the, the newer Beneteau 40, first 40s, I find them to be very versatile, reliable vessels. I mean, if a, some of these boats I've, sailed, I've been teaching on, they've been around for, you know, for nearly 25 years. Mm-hmm. And if they've lasted this long uh, yeah. with students, you know, <laughs> it's a testament to their quality, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think they're quite good value in, in, in what they're worth. I think I've spent a lot of time on, on more expensive boats with all the frills. And uh, I just felt that it was actually a liability rather than an asset having of all these different systems and assets. Because mm-hmm. 
you just oh we've got a frozen screen well like being on a boat stuff happens that you have to deal with what's our emergency procedure here what's what what we're going to do to solve this <clears throat> welcome back got the anchor down we did yes <laughs> <laughs> It's all that wind, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we have to be ready for everything on a boat, so and in the and in the uh, office and classroom. Um, you were just really explaining something that I'm really passionate about: the simplicity of a boat. Um, too many systems for me is is twofold. Too many gadgets, things go wrong, more expense, but also that reliability on gadgets and relying on that rather than your own skills. And that was the kind of thing you were talking about. Yeah, I, I like to say that buy a boat as complicated as you're able to fix everything on it. So the more stuff you have, you know, water makers, generators, um, you know, 240 volt electric systems. If you're if you're prepared to be able to fix all these things mm -hmm. and you have the money to fix them, then knock yourself out. Yeah. But if you don't, then you don't want to have them on board because mm -hmm. when they break. You, you can't rain, you know, the tradie down the street to come no. fix it, you know? <laughs> um, and, and that's what I see a lot now because I, I come across, being instructor, I come across uh, quite a few different students from different walks of life. Yeah. And what we're seeing a bit of a trend now is a lot of people that well accomplished in their careers and uh, therefore have, uh, you know, disposable income, uh, I think they've been lured by the cruising lifestyle, especially driven by a lot of these YouTube channels that are out there. So they see all these families now cruising and they go, oh, well, we can do this. We got the money. Let's do it. It's now or never. And they're out there shopping for boats. Now, these are people that have not necessarily spent a lot of time on boats before. So they are kind of navigating, no pun intended, the, you know, what, what sort of boat's the right boat for them. Yeah. And in order to please everyone uh, or to try to replicate as best as they can the environment they have at home, mm. a lot of them kind of choose to have all these things that what they're going to realize are not really necessary on a boat. Yes. You know, hot showers and air conditioning. I'm like, you really, you're going to realize that's the, that's the appeal of being at sea is that you realize you don't need any, any of this stuff. This is superfluous stuff. And at sea, it's actually going to be, you're going to realize even more because eventually these things will break. Yeah. It's not a matter of if, it's when. And then, and then you're going to be like, well, you're going to be used to having that on board and then you're not going to have it anymore. And, and spend time fixing it. And spend time fixing and waiting for parts and all those things that people that have done been cruising know already. That's, uh, that's the reality. So, um, so part of my job now is being actually educating people on this, that it's not only teaching them how to read a chart, it's actually, look, you know, you, you are going to be it. The buck stops with you when it comes to making sure everything's working. And then, and you got to transpire confidence. If things are breaking and you're panicking yeah. and you're yelling, you know, you see the, the husband yelling at the wife or vice versa, um, it's just not going to be fun. And if no. it's not fun, then, it's, you know, before you know it, you have, you're going to have your boat out for sale, you know, yeah. and then you're going to be back to land life again. I, so. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I try and educate people with that knowledge 
and and you're right it's you just can't emulate what you have on the land yeah you can have a certain amount of comforts if you are prepared to deal with them but it is about getting out there and living differently not just living on something or in a different location it's about the whole the whole holistic approach of embracing simplifying your life I was chatting with a lady yesterday and she's got this real corporate background and it took her a few months to drop that and now she's really proud that she doesn't wear her makeup and you know they just started off taking all that crap on the boat and now they're just casting it off you know get rid of it we don't need it doesn't matter which is which is just wonderful absolutely yeah it's a great way of yeah I think that I always tell people I always say what's my rule when I buy something I say will it be useful on the boat yeah if it's not then I probably don't need it yeah yeah yeah, and that's a great tip. Unless it's like gardening equipment, of course. Unless what, sorry? <laughs> it's like gardening equipment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but if it's, yeah, I always say, is this going to be useful if I take on a boat? And yeah. if it is, then you're most likely going to need it. If not, you know, that's sort of a little rule I have in life to kind mm. of keep my possessions mm. well. Mm. Um, no, certainly a good, good thing to live by. I yeah. concur with that. Yeah. So with your... Um, I, wanted, I do want to chat about the Sydney to Hobarts for a while because, as you know, with me, I've been a cruiser most of my life, um, my maritime life, and I've done just a tiny bit of racing with the fantastic Lisa Blair. And that was a real eye-opener for me. And so I've got a little insight, just a little. I did the West Coaster. You sort of come down the East Coast of Tassie. And so I've got a little insight to it. But how did you... For anyone who's interested in that, how did you get involved and what are the really key things you need to be able to do a race such as this, the fantastic Sydney to Hobart? Yeah. Also, I just want to start with, I'm actually, I would say I'm a bit more like Jackie. I'm a little more like you, Jackie. I'm more of a cruiser than a racer. And I don't consider myself a racing sailor. I enjoy it mm. uh, if it's done in a, in a sort of in, in the right spirit. What I don't like is the yelling and, mm. you know, the, all the stress that goes with some of the more competitive racing. But sailing for me is not about stress. It's about adventure. It's about enjoyment. And I mm. find a lot of people that race don't, get, don't really get that. They just get yelled at. Um, having said that, um, a lot of my experience has been with cruising. But uh, something about ocean racing that I quite enjoy because mm. I, don't see, I don't regard it as a race against other boats. I regard it as a race against it's almost against yourself. It's almost like a challenge, yeah. you know. And there's the element of adventure in it, which I quite enjoy. So that's what kind of pulled me into doing the city to Hobart. It's just that it, it wasn't so much, it was more the adventure of it and and that unknown factor. What are we going to encounter on the way? Which is very different to say around the cans racing. Yeah. Um, you know, it, that can be fun as well, but I, I, it doesn't have that same sense of adventure with Sydney to Hobart. Um, luckily for me, I had spent quite a bit of time doing uh, offshore, um, offshore cruising, you know, offshore team instructing. Mm -hmm. And um, so that prepared me for the conditions I was potentially going to face. Um, I also had, I did it as, a, as sort of as a, I was doing it with one of the schools I worked for. Mm. And um, 
So what that school particularly does is it sells berths on, on the race. So people that want to do the race and don't necessarily have a crew, uh, which is sometimes hard to get on a, a city of Hobart boat as a crew, they can pay a certain amount and participate on the race. So this is the organization I was working for, and they offered me the opportunity to come and do it. On my first time, it was like, look, you know, there's, a, there's an extra room here. Would you like to come on board? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And um, so it was, you know, I wanted the extra experience. It was early on in my teaching career, so that would have been good. Kind of gives you that credibility as well. Yeah. And, uh, and all, of course, I wanted to have a bit of fun as well. And, and that's how I got drawn into it. And I must say, it was addictive. I did it. Uh, that particular year, I think it was 2013, that was a rough race. Right. Um, so we had, uh, it, it was unlike the, the last couple of races have been pretty relatively easier, a lot of downwind racing. This one was, I think uh, we, we had gale force winds coming across the, the Bass Strait. And uh, it was pretty much like that all the way down to Hobart. Um, but there's something addictive about it, you know, and, and I don't know how to explain it. It's, like, it's a bit like self-punishment, <laughs> but yeah, I, at the end of it, I wanted more of it. You know, yeah. it's the whole experience of the start and, and then, you know, and then going through these different changes in conditions and going through that gale and you're like, wow, this is, I just felt like this is living. This yeah. is really fun. Yeah. And, uh, I had full trust on the boat that we were on. It was uh, the boat we were sailing was a uh, built by Don McIntyre, who was yeah. uh, well known for big, long distance adventure racing. So he built that boat for him. So the boat was tried and tested. We knew it really well. It was a very simple, strong boat. Yeah. And, uh, and I had a couple mates on, on the race. So I thought, this, you know, I knew the people, I knew the boat. So I felt confident in that we were going to get there mm. uh, at the end. And, um, you know, and, and we, we, we did, it was, you know, it was a bit rough at times, but we had a great time and, uh, had a even, and, and once you get to Hobart, it's such a great vibe, you know, that's yes. one of the great things about it. Yeah. Yes. I've yeah. experienced that and, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. good fun, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, we had some fun people on the crew, so yeah. it just became such a great experience. I thought, well, I'd like to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can relate to that very much. My first experience of Bass Strait was uh, 40 knot headwinds. So um, I can understand that sort of taking the punishment, but still going, oh, I could do that again. Uh, whatever that means is a bit strange, but I, I understand that challenge. And I, I think for me, it's you have to draw on every skill you have, not just your maritime skill, but your personal skills and your tenaciousness and you know your, your patience and everything you've got and there's something really nice about stretching every skill you have and pulling it together and that that's a real attractive thing but the other point you you mentioned there which is another really good point for people interested in cruising or racing and stepping into this world is getting to know your boat and you said something that I say a lot, that you had faith in that boat and you were comfortable on it. And for me, that is one of the fundamental things. When I talk to people, you know, after training, I talk to a lot of people, probably like yourself, they come back to me and say, oh, I just did some blind navigating and I nailed it and, and things. And they're still a year or six months on their boat. For me, it's two years to get used to your entire boat if, if you're cruising, if, if it's a shorter time on a race, you, you have to know the boat and know the people. But once you know that boat, 
you have faith in it and that that goes a long way to get rid of seasickness and and fear um when i sell with lisa blair um that was new to me you know she loves surfing down waves you know we had a storm in the southern ocean and you know 20 knots down waves that was great for her and i was like why aren't i scared why aren't i nervous about this and i just went well i have faith in lisa i have faith in me and i have faith in the boat yeah. and so i think that's a, a key point um you make there absolutely like uh of, of all the hobarts there's one that i did not finish and it wasn't so i've done out of the six hobarts i've done five of them were on that that I started, I finished five of them. Right. And the only one, and the other five I finished was on the same boat, was on the McIntyre. There was one whole boat I did not finish. In fact, I won the Sydney to Eden race. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I got the prize uh, for getting to Eden first. And um, it was on a different boat. Um, and before starting the race, I was, I was skipping that boat. And uh, I never thought that was the appropriate boat for this sort of race. Mm. and uh, we had some issues prior to the race that we scrambled to fix just to get to the start line. And honestly, if I had it my way, I probably wouldn't have done the race on that boat. Mm. But it was, I had some situations were out of my control. You know, yeah. I, I pretty much had to start the race. But I did not start that race comfortable with that boat. Mm. And, and the result was we had all sorts of breakages to the point where we... We, we, we had to abandon the race prior yeah. to getting to the best right. And I think it was the right decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. So being, knowing your boat and knowing that your boat can handle certain conditions mm. is absolutely key to confidence and enjoyment. Yeah. 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 I couldn't agree more. Your own personal capabilities and the boats. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, that decision making to me is good seamanship, as, as I know it is to you. You know, it's not all about, yeah. I tell cruisers, if you leave and uh, something goes wrong and you come back and you come back to the safe same port or, or a port you didn't intend to get to that's still a successful voyage because everything's yeah. intact yeah, absolutely yeah yeah so when you did you so at times you're a navigator at times you're a skipper which is which do you prefer oh easy question there jackie <laughs> I, I i think being the navigator on one of these races is probably the best mm -hmm. because as skipper i must say i did not enjoy right. uh, the race uh, I just felt I had too much on my shoulders. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're doing it sort of on a commercial basis, you have you have to meet expectations yeah. of people that spend a lot of money. Yeah. And so there's a lot of pressure on getting there safely, but also showing people a great time. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I did it as a navigator, I felt it was the best of both worlds because you still have you know a position where you when you have a bit of power or influence on what's happening, mm. but you don't carry all the responsibility. And uh, yes. I felt that quite liberating. Yeah. So, you know, the, the buck stops with somebody else, but you're still making some decisions there. And I felt that was, uh, that was a great position to be in. Yeah. So yeah, if, if I, if I were to do the race again, that's probably the way I'll prefer to do it. And I had a lot more fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed it a lot more, and I think that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And for for people like me who haven't raced or not done much, what's the key differences between navigating when you're coastal cruising and navigating in a race? I'm guessing it's the technical side with the weather um, thrown in and 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 
getting out in front but is there can you elaborate on that a bit more yeah that, that, that's a great question i think when you well i'll say 80 percent of it is the same isn't it you're trying to not only determine what is the weather going to do and how best can you use it yeah mm-hmm. um i guess when you're cruising you're, you're also looking at for example what are some places we can stop along the way and um and whereas when you when you when you're navigating within racing ocean racing you know i think what you're trying to do is get from a to b as quick as you can that's always the you know something slightly different than cruising cruising you want to be efficient but you're not necessarily it's not you know it's not a race to a destination where here you're trying to get as quick as you can you and also when you're doing racing you don't have control when you leave so you you're leaving at a particular in time and you're going to have to deal with the conditions that are handed to you after that departure time. Whereas when you're cruising, you have a bit more control. Let's leave here because this is what the wind's going to be like. It's going to be a lot nicer. You don't have that choice. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to get from A to B as quick as you can with the conditions that you're given. Also taking into consideration the vessel you're on yeah. and how best, you know, it, what sort of wind angles and uh, points of sail does that vessel uh perform the best at um so it, it's and it's that sort of um it's those sort of considerations that you're making when you're navigating in, in such a race and you're also analyzing different models different weather models and you're trying to see you know trying to find all right are the models agreeing if they're not agreeing which models are agreeing and yeah. what's going to be happening a bit a few days down the road uh which is i think cruisers should be looking at the same thing as well yeah um, you know, but ultimately, uh, there's a bit of strategy involved because you're almost taking a gamble. Which model am I going to back myself on? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and then, and then just trying to get there as quick as possible. You're not too worried about comfort. Comfort's yes. not one of the things here. Yes. Um, yes. if you have to smash into, into weather, yeah. that's what you do. And, uh, whereas cruising, you know, you, you're trying to use the weather as best as you can to have a good, efficient, safe, comfortable trip. And, yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, and getting yeah, obviously getting to it, yeah, and and taking into account hazards on the way and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. 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 I I had to smile when you say comfort doesn't come into it when I when I first jumped on uh, Lisa Blair's boat, Climate Action Now, and I just sort of went, all right, so where are the cushions? You know, there's a, <laughs> the comfort's just gone, and I, but then you know as I got to know the boat you know we'd had a a sail down to melbourne so that was great for me to get to get used to the the 40 odd lines in the cockpit where i'm used to like two uh so big 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 sort of training moment for me um but it made sense to me you know the design and the lack of not lack of comfort but the simplicity you know once you get racing um it makes a lot of sense of course so with your I think that's marvellous. You've got your cruising training, your, your own training, I mean, yourself, these skills. You've got your cruising training and the racing training and the multitude of boats and areas you've, you've been in and achieved. And as a trainer, um, I know you're like me. You're learning all the time. We have to maintain our skills, our training skills and our maritime skills because technology is changing, things move on. We're constantly having to adapt but as a maritime trainer, I'm always amazed, not amazed, but pleasantly surprised how much I learn from my students 
and people having different experiences. So can you think of times or do you find that? And, and do you have any moments that are real moments you remember or wow moments within training in maritime that you could share with us? Absolutely. No, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I think uh, I always tell my students, because um, students that look at you as they, they look at you as the expert, the mm. all knowing. Yeah. And I always say, look, that's not necessarily the case. You know, some of you sometimes get students have had done more miles than I have, or, you know, been sailing for longer than I have. And, you know, you, you, they can still learn a lot from you. And this is from your own uh, research and, 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 and I guess mastery of a subject, but there's a lot that they can add as well from their own experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's certain courses where that comes, becomes more apparent. Yeah. Uh, for example, I, I especially like when I teach the uh, safety and sea survival. Yeah. Um, you get people that, you know, they're doing the refreshers and they've been sailing for, you know, for, you know, for, for years. And uh, they're sharing with me their experiences where they had some potential safety problem or even sometimes survival situations. I luckily never had to go into life raft in Enga and have to survive at sea. Uh, and I hope I've never have to. Mm. But I've had students in my courses that have. And, um, and there are some certain things that they can teach the class that I can't. Yeah. And, um, and sometimes as a good trainer, you need to be able to leverage that experience and say, look, you know, tell us about it. I mean, yeah. what can these guys learn from your experience having to abandon shit? Because yeah. um, I've never had to do it for real. Yes. You know, and I hope, and it, that's one thing I'll proudly say, I hope I never have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's a lot to gain from that. Yeah. And, and that's a nice thing. You have, uh, one of the nice things about instructing is you're always meeting people from different walks of life. And, um, and everybody has had a different experience, either because of conditions or a boat or a system or a different area. Yeah. And, um, and that's a lot more valuable than just listening to me. You know, my experience is, is, is limited just to, to myself and what I've gone through yeah. and where you can have in a classroom, you can go from having one teacher to perhaps six, six or seven teachers. Yeah. I think the challenge as a trainer is to make sure that that becomes nice and focused and yeah. it doesn't become a competition to see who's, who knows more and who's done more. Uh, which sometimes can happen, yeah. but that the trick is as a trainer, you just got to kind of, funnel that into something that everybody can gain from yeah and stay on track yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah i agree it's uh, a, an interesting thing i i learned I, I do exactly the same thing and i think that's that's really important as trainers and especially in in our industry where you could hopefully you don't but you might have been in a rescue situation twice but your third one might be completely different because every time we go out it is different. That's the nature of the game and, and, and why we love it. And what struck me, and, and she wasn't a student of mine, but the, the story of, I don't know if you know, Charlotte Kaufman, who's the founder of Women Who Sail on Facebook group. It's, it's a massive group of, of women sailors. And she's, uh, well, she's launching a book soon, hopefully, but they had a rescue. They had a sick baby um, on board on, in an ocean and yeah. instigated a rescue. And she did a, we had a Women Who Sell um, event and she did a talk. And 
what I really took from that is she said from issuing the May Day and issuing this rescue, the whole thing lasted 48 hours because the boat wasn't sinking. It was a medical emergency. And from where they are, the weather and, you know, coming out and going back and the, the different things, you know, I actually can't remember all the details, but that really stuck with me. It took a long time, the whole thing, and the rescue crew were all incredibly sick as well, because I think they had some some medical events on board, you know, to stabilise um, the person or the, or the baby. It's when she read this story, there was no dry eye in the house, but rescues can happen in hours and they can happen in days. So that's the type of thing we've got to sort of take from different people. And as you say, keep it on track and share that. Um, so we all learn from it. It's a, it's a good skill to have. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So it's quite, it can be quite full on, can't it? We, we have to, as trainers, um, balance a lot of skills um, as we have to on a boat. So it's all about being ready and our preparedness um, for whatever we're doing. So. I like my downtime and my downtime is with four huge horses that are just um, have amazing characters. What's your downtime? What's your go-to to release and let everything go? Oh, look, I'm a man of a few hobbies and um, I've always been an avid scuba diver. Yes. And uh, I absolutely love it. It's my happy place. Mm. So I, I guess I got two happy places. One is diving. I think there's nothing for me, well, my nirvana is going on a dive trip to some remote location. Mm -hmm. We're completely off the grid and you're doing four or five dives a day in nice, tropical, clear, blue, warm water. Mm. Nothing beats it. And uh, <laughs> I hope this lockdown is over because I need it. Yeah. Uh, I, I need a bit of that. And that to me recharges my batteries really quickly. Mm. Um, here at home, what I like to do is I, I love motorcycles mm. and uh, I'm an avid uh, motorcyclist and uh, that's my other happy place is I like to get on my motorcycle and go for a ride. And for me, it's quite, it's, it's my meditation. It's yeah. my, the way I meditate is just uh, getting on the motorcycle and that's the way I clear my head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can relate to that. And, and um, with the, here here at home you know we have the horses we have our boating uh what's well, a hobby business or the whole thing whatever it is so um with that my husband is a motorbike enthusiast so we have sort of probably the three most expensive hobbies in the world so consequently we're skint much of the time but i'm amazed i always find that with sailing a lot of the same people like horses and like motorbikes and it's something about i think the adrenaline and the um, having to deal with it moment by moment is yeah. is very much part of it. They those come together, and I know when I'm riding my horses, um, I have to be right in that moment, right there. Everything else is gone, absolutely everything. And I, I'm sure it's the same with diving and and on motorbikes. Yeah, there's something meditative about yeah. it because that, you you kind of forget about all the other things that are happening, you know, around you. Um, and now you just focus on that, mm. and um, I, that's I think the release. That, yeah, that's the release. Absolutely, it's some people are just happy to sit 
by the beach and mm. close their eyes or they do it at home. That doesn't really work for me. Yeah. Um, but the equivalent to me is to yeah go on a long motorcycle ride and you know twisty you know like, like little twisty roads. I just absolutely love it. And yeah. uh, and I, I think uh, sailors we we're people who have a high tolerance for risk and the unknown. Yeah. And we kind of get attracted to activities that are similar. That's I think that's what drives us yeah. is whether you're cruising or racing doesn't really matter. I think we just enjoy one that that um, just the interaction with nature is is one of the things that we truly in, enjoy. I'll say more cruisers more so than maybe racers, mm-hmm. um, but that, that could be wrong there. Uh, but also it's that constantly dealing with the unknown. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a factor of uh, enjoyment in that, and yeah. uh, I can and that's been the and it, 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 you mentioned something quite interesting. You can see that a lot of people that enjoy sailing or scuba diving, horse riding, they tend to have similar hobbies, yeah, and because they all sort of give you that same sense of adventure mm. uh, that we all crave. It's quite addictive, I must say. Yeah, I'm right with you. I, I couldn't agree more. So I know you're, um, with all that in mind and your hobbies and, and, you know, we obviously know what you do and I know you're in your early 40s and um, for the sake of being open, I'm in my early 50s and <laughs> I loved my 40s. My 40s was my best decade and my 50s has been a challenge, but I've, I've reined it in and it's going well for me now. And I, I think about what I'm going to do down the line, as we all do. What does your 50s look for you? Where are you going to be in 10 years' time? Is it off cruising into the sunset or is it just training, training, training? Do you have a, a plan? Look, uh, yeah, I, I would say I've had this discussion with my partner a few times. Uh, she, she's not a sailor and doesn't, hasn't done a lot of sailing. But I told her, like, one thing I want to do is I want to go on an extended cruising adventure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see myself doing that probably in my 50s. Um, I think right now, could I do it right now? Probably, but I, I just don't feel like doing it right now. I don't have that urge. Yeah. Uh, I kind of, my urge right now is to kind of succeed professionally Yeah. and, uh, and kind of be able to look back and say, oh, I built something interesting here. Um, and then reward myself with when you're, when you're fifties, you know, generally speaking, you still have, um, you're still sort of in that healthy age and you got the energy and you got to be more experienced now yep. and hopefully a bit more money in the bank. <laughs> um, who knows? But um, so I find that to be a prime time to, you know, to go out there and, and give this a go because after that, you know, it, it starts getting harder. Yep. And um, mind you, I've, 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 I've met people in the eighties that sail halfway around the world. Yep, so it, me too. It, it can be done. It yep. can be done at any age. But I kind of, that's why I kind of see my 50s. Yeah. It's sort of giving me that, oh, well, I need to get this out of my system. And, and I mm. think that's the time in which I want to do it. Yeah. yeah. No, it sounds like a good plan. Just a little forewarning there. Um, and when you get to 50, you have to sort of work a bit harder at keeping, maintaining the body. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. A little aside. Um, no, that sounds like a great plan. And I'm interested in your partner who doesn't sail. So what does she think of this plan? Is she... You know, is uh... I'll say she's blissfully ignorant about this plan. <laughs> I can like, relate to that. Yeah, she, yeah, she, um, 
she's not, you know, we talked about people that who are adventurous and kind of get drawn to these risky sort of activities. She's completely the opposite to that. Yeah, she, mm. she's definitely more of, um, she likes things a lot more predictable and, and mm. a lot safer. So, she, so we've got 10 years to work on something here um, to get her to that point where she's going to be comfortable with, um, with what it's like sailing you know and uh, and the discomforts she's very much she likes her creature comforts and uh, i'm slowly getting I, I have a little heron a little wooden heron um you know it's a pretty good sized boat to go sailing in twos we just go you know here in harbor pit water or the lake so it's quite easy but she just gets an idea what it's like being yeah. on a boat um having to deal with discomfort i think it's going to be her biggest challenge because uh, even when sometimes I take her on the back of the bike, she kind of feels a bit uncomfortable. And I, and, all, and I think that's one of the things about cruising or sailing in general. You need to start getting comfortable mm. being slightly uncomfortable yeah, and being slightly cold mm. and being slightly sleep deprived, slightly hungry, slightly thirsty. Um, you know, that's part of... Um, being out there it's not always it's not like sitting in your couch at home you are going to be it's always going to be that one little thing that's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable mm. and and to me i kind of find that that's part of the fun yeah um and it's quite character building as well but for people that are not used to that that tends to be where they kind of go oh this is not for me and then going back to what we first spoke about, this is why you know, then people get microwaves and washing machines and uh, hot showers on board because they sort of want to retain some of those comforts they get from home. But hopefully by the time they spend a bit of time on board and they realize it's not about that. Mm. Yeah, it's about getting to a beautiful destination where you're the only boat there, mm. you know, and you've got no social media or phones around. That is true freedom. Mm. And, and then to realize, well, this is, this is the end goal. This is the benefit. You know, all those cold, hungry nights that we have to go through, sleep, dep sleep deprivation, this is the reward. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And there's no better reward, really. Yeah. It's, the, yeah. it's the, the troughs and peaks when you have those not so great times or those challenging times. It makes uh, the good times even better. You know, those troughs and peaks, we, we have that in life. And I think it's about getting there under your own steam and and it is you're absolutely right there's those challenges and it isn't comfortable get comfortable with being uncomfortable is, is a fantastic yeah. bit of advice but you, then you you've got you yourself there you have managed this you're in a you're in a mini you're in your own little city you've got your own complete systems of electric and plumbing and everything you need in this tiny little thing on this vast ocean and yeah. it's you that have got you there and that yeah. to me makes the the hard bits the good bits that are part of it because you know we did this it was good and and as you say character building and your partner's very lucky because she she couldn't be in better hands you've got that you've probably got that gentle training on the way as you said and um who better to go out there with someone who's got all this experience and qualifications under their belt so yeah, yeah, hopefully, you know, I think you start slowly, start, you know, watch some of those YouTube videos that inspired so many, you know, uh, and uh, kind of start getting, understanding what it's, what it's about. Mm. And um, so I've got a good 10 years here to get yes. ready and then start putting, uh, getting some plans into place and, and, and go live the lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
that's it. And that, that shouting that you that mentioned or raised voices, um, I read an interesting article the other day, Vicky Moore, who's in New Zealand, a fellow sailor. And in my experience of seeing, um, especially couples where there's may have been some raised voices at anchor and stuff. And what I've sort of taken from that is, or what I've observed is most of it is fear driven. You know, yeah. it's that fear of something going wrong and that tenseness. And um, uh, so, you know, my advice to people that are cruising, as, especially as couples, is to sort of just acknowledge that. And if you're on the end of it, try and remember it. And if you're actually that shouty skipper or person, you know, just understand where that's coming from. Yeah, yeah no, that, that's an excellent point. Yeah, I never, I never looked at it from that perspective because, yeah, I, I can see... Uh, yeah, that, that shouting or sort of aggressive behavior, it is, I think, what's what's underneath that is, yeah, it's a lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's something to say about the term quiet confidence, because I think when you're confident, you do generate this sort of uh, calm and quietness on board. Yeah. And, um, and I've been on board with a few skippers, and the ones I think perform the best, even in racing, are the ones that talk the least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the shouters are usually at the back of the pack because they're usually the crew is not really comfortable. They're not sure what's happening next. They're afraid of making mistakes, so they yeah. don't try. Yeah. Um, and the result is the performance is just not really there. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so I'm going to wrap up soon. Um, but can you give me or anyone who's listening, they're thinking about, Let's say thinking about going cruising because it's uh, many people have these dreams and, you know, they're looking at boats, thinking about what they should do. Can you summarise? Do you have one piece or just a couple of pieces of key information that you'd tell them to think about now as they're looking for boats? What would you, what would you impart right now of, of, that might help them? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question and a great point. I think... Um... For somebody who is looking to get into this, you know, get into this lifestyle, I, I think the first thing is um, education is is really important. Education in all aspects, you know, start learning uh, about different boats, start reading about it, start talking to people about mm -hmm. it. What sort of boat do you want to go on? You know, what's going to be the right fit? Is it catamarans? Is it monohulls? What's advantage or disadvantage? You know, mm. start getting familiar with uh, the sort of boat that you can see yourself on. I think the second thing is then still under education is start learning you know, skills and, and knowledge. Mm. You know, um, this is why people like ourselves are out here. We're imparting knowledge. Um, you know, start learning how to navigate. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I remember when I was starting out years and years ago, uh, I used to read this blog, one of the first blogs, it was a Brazilian family and they actually ended up now in New Zealand. And uh, they, they were on a pretty nice 40 foot boat with, and they had uh, a lot of systems on there, but they said, you know what? We don't need any of this. If we, we, we can navigate without any electronics. Is, is that, that your that, partner thinking about sailing and bashing the place down? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going sailing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there's a bit of construction happening across the street. Okay. Yeah, 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 it's, uh, Sorry. yeah it's a bit. Sometimes Sorry. It's a bit much. I just, um, yeah. Sorry, carry on. And, um, and it kind of, kind of stuck with me. And that's sort of been one of my mottos when I started learning. It's like, well, how can I 
have all the electronics but not have to rely on any of it. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things I've sort of based my education on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then start getting a little bit of experience, yeah. you know, start small, um, maybe a bit of in- enclosed water sailing, and then start getting a little bit further afield, for initially with instructor, that's always good. And then maybe you start hopping on some deliveries and to see what that's like, because mm-hmm. it's a bit shorthanded. Um, and you may not have the entire support instructor will give you, but you still have some support. And, um, and I always say, start slowly stepping out of your comfort zone, yeah. um, but always build up the knowledge that you need in order to do that. And, um, you know, as we know, with, with boating, cruising, sailing, you're never going to know everything. Yeah. There's always, you know, I'm always learning stuff. I, I, I say I'm a, I'm a master, uh, a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Because you, there's always something new to learn, yeah. whether it's electrics or plumbing or sales or, uh, you know, shipwright, uh, navigation. You're never going to fully, you're never going to be an expert. There's no expert on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you can, you're, you're going to have natural tendencies to specialize in one area because that's what you enjoy. Um, but you need to have a good understanding of everything else. And there's heaps of uh, books and nowadays with YouTube, there's a lot of stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's just started, starting to build that knowledge database that you're going to need uh, later on. I think that's probably the way to approach it in- yeah. initially. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. That's, that's very sage advice and, and a great way to think about casting off with confidence. It's bu- building that, yeah, building that knowledge gradually and because if you look at the entire picture it'd be quite overwhelming you're probably the same you get people coming to you going god where do i start you know there's everything there's weather there's passage planning there's the boat there's the systems what do i do but it's you're absolutely right it's a bit at a time and also invest in yourself as much as the boat and the systems like you're the safety equipment on board, you yourself. Yeah. So you've got to invest in what you can do um, and things like that. And and also go to trusted sources. Um, there's a lot of great stuff out there on the internet, but there's also stuff that is can be a tiny bit misleading. And with your advice of talking to different people that helps you um, navigate your way to the to the right advice or, or the yeah, right absolutely, training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've come across in my, you know, being an instructor, a, a lot of people who have embarked in this with very little experience and you see them doing all the right things. You mm-hmm. know, here sometimes you have a couple and, you know, they go and do a safety sea survival course together because they're starting to think about what are some of the things they're going to have to train and drill and prepare for as a couple on board. Mm-hmm. Um, or they kind of divide and conquer. You know, one person will do the diesel engine course, learn about diesel engines, while the other one's going to learn about radar. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of can combine that yeah. as well. So I think that's, that's always a great approach. You know, you, you're sort of doing stuff together and maybe divide and conquer a little bit and, and try to complement each other's knowledge. And, um, and, you know, that's a great, that's a great start. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. No, that's good. That's very good sage advice. Before we go, if you put yourself in my shoes and you are interviewing yourself, is there something you would ask yourself? Is there something I should have asked you that I haven't? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> there, there may not be an answer. I might have nailed it. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, like, I, I, think, I think one of the key questions is, is the why. Why do people do things? Why is it that they choose a certain path? Why, what motivates them? Yeah. And, um, and I think what motivates me to work in this industry and having, you know, started my own training business and, you know, having sought you to, uh, to work with, I think it, it's, it's that I, I get a, a reward out of helping people. It's mm-hmm. always been something I've, I've enjoyed doing. It's one of the reasons I left my corporate career because I felt I wasn't helping anyone doing my corporate job. And I felt, well, this way I can do things I enjoy and also help people along the way. And I think that's, you know, that's my why. I like to, it's Mm -hmm. quite rewarding at the end of the day and people come to you and say, thank you. I've learned a lot today. Yeah. And um, I've really enjoyed. And, And you're also learning yourself. You're always building your own, uh, your own learning about yourself as a, as a person, but also adding to your knowledge database as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so it, it is a kind of symbiotic relationship really that you, yeah. you get from doing this. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a question I always like to ask people, what, what motivates you, yeah. what's driving you to do this? Because yeah. that can, that can also tell you a lot about their behavior and their needs and wants. It kind of drives empathy. Yeah. Mm, no that's a very good point and um yeah we got very similar um ideas on that and it's interesting to well for me it's been great to learn uh more about you and and uh, your ethos of training and life and we're sort of getting to know each other but we've sort of crossed each other's paths a little bit throughout the years and we've got a lot of uh, a similar contacts and um, I know from speaking to people you know that I know that uh, the feedback they get on your training and what you do is um, the feedback they've given me on, on what you do is is marvellous I think you're a fantastic teacher and that's because you think about the people's wine and want to give back and that's something we do in our industry that's that's for me as well really nice so on that note i thank you for your time i've really enjoyed getting to know you a bit more no for yeah thank you for your thank you for the opportunity it's uh it's been a real enjoyable conversation yes for me too and thanks on behalf of the listeners for some really great tips there that is one of the ethos of doing this is is letting people know it's all achievable and all doable and and things to think about so that's some great sage advice and you and I are going to talk together again soon anyway um thanks for your time all right thank you Jackie Uh, really appreciate it take care down there and uh I'm sure we'll be in touch soon will do (laughs) 